DBE Unfiltered, DBE Diverse Business Elite Magazine's premier podcast. We bring you the voices of today's renowned societal leaders and community stakeholders who contribute to making a difference talking about what they do, how they got there, and what they're thinking about in this sometimes controversial world of diversity, inclusion, and race relations. In this episode... The first piece of advice that um, I got that I did not listen to right away uh, when I started working in the General Assembly was uh, not to become too attached to a piece of policy um, and, and to not let your heart get caught up in it. We talked to Luke Pretty. Luke Pretty, Chief of Staff for State Senator John S. Edwards and recent elected Roanoke City Council member, shares about his experiences in policy advocacy. Thank you so much for taking the time out to do the interview with us. We do appreciate it. Tell us a bit about you. Where are you from? Um, what did you study and why? I'm from uh, Roanoke, Virginia. I was born here mm-hmm. uh, and I've spent pretty much my entire life here. Uh, there were a couple of times where I went away. Uh, I went to Virginia Western Community College and got most of my undergraduate studies done there, um, the general prerequisites out of the way. And then I attended the University of Virginia where I got a degree in uh, government focused on American government. Um, mm-hmm. I really just have a love and passion for American politics and public policy and and looking at how to make that work for people uh, in better ways. Some people have a philosophy that government is best out of the way. Um, I have a philosophy that uh, government can do good for people. Uh, We just have to make sure that it does. I also noticed that you you do a bit of community representation as well. So so tell us a bit about that and why. Uh, I do a lot of personal reflection from time to time, but I find all of my energy uh, interacting with other people and helping other people to connect. Um, one thing that, that has actually been challenging as I've uh, gotten older and gotten even more involved is recognizing what the limits are to what I can do by myself. Uh, but it's also helped me uh, see what my strengths are in helping to connect people with each other. You know, even in a place like Roanoke, uh, there can be a a lot of people who are doing a lot of good to make positive change in the area, but their circles never seem to overlap with each other. Um, And and just by by recognizing that and making sure that they connect, uh, once those two people can get together, they can achieve so much more, and it actually lightens the burden for for me because um, 
my my partner, my fiance, tells me quite often that I set too high of standards for myself and that I try to take on too much and that it's recognizing what, what I can do uh, and where I can best serve the community um, in some respects is by handing off a lot of what I want to do to others. But the first part of your question was about what motivated me to get into politics. Um, mm-hmm. You know, my my family has always been politically active, uh, made sure that we vote in elections and that we understand what's going on in our community and understand that the people that we're voting for and the impact that they have on our lives, whether that be at the federal level and something uh, more monumental related to you know our our rights, or if that goes down to even something at the local level with zoning decisions, uh, where they may be policies based on how a piece of land can be used, but they interact with our rights in different ways. Um, mm-hmm. One of the first things that really got me involved in politics in 2006, I was only uh, 14 years old. And there was a proposed constitution to, or sorry, there was a proposed amendment to the Virginia Constitution called the Marshall Newman Amendment that, uh, defines marriage between a man and a woman. Uh, and, uh, my father was very against that at the time. He thought that it, um, was not a reflection of his Christian values. Um, he thought that um, everyone should be allowed to love who they love. Um, and uh, that being, uh, my father has a couple siblings. Uh, he is married to my mother, of course, but he has a, a gay brother and a straight brother and a lesbian sister and a straight sister. And so he's aware of it. Um, but I went and stood at the polls and asked people to vote no that day um, so that we would keep those words out of our Constitution. And um, sadly, I failed. Um, and even today, while... The United States recognizes uh, that marriage is open to uh, people of the same sex. The Virginia Constitution still holds the antiquated language. And, um, one of my goals is to have it taken out at some point during my lifetime. Okay, amazing. Um, and diversity, of course, is, is important. It's important to recognize and appreciate it. So my, my next question uh, moves a little bit into your, your current job as chief of staff. You know, what are two of the biggest policy, policy challenges you have working as chief of staff for Senator Edwards? And, and how, how do you plan to address that individually or, or as a team? The first piece of advice that um, I got that I did not listen to right away uh, when I started working in the General Assembly was uh, not to become too attached to a piece of policy mm-hmm. um, and, and to not let your heart get caught up in it because um, oftentimes, or more often than not, um, policy does not pass, um, at least not the first time around. Um, and there are things that I have worked very hard on and poured my heart and soul into and uh, gotten to a point where it looked like they were about to pass and and be achievable. uh, And it's like at the last moment, someone pulls the rug out from underneath your feet and without any real reason why other that the funding's not there for the particular policy or there's a different set of priorities, or the uh, 
the, the political will of the General Assembly changes. And, and to watch all of that fall apart in a split second um, can be very discouraging um, at mm-hmm. really getting anything done. Um, but with some of those, we've been able to bring them back, and even in some circumstances, handing them off to another legislator and letting them continue to work on them, we've ultimately gotten to see them pass, which is what's reminded me um, that it doesn't really matter who gets the credit. Um, it's more about what gets done. Uh, and All right, right. There's just something to be proud in that. Um, so one of the challenges is just not being too attached to a piece of policy. The changing um, political landscape of who is in power and what their priorities are and what that means for our own legislative agendas uh, to what can be accomplished, that has been particularly challenging. Um, When I started working for Senator Edwards, the Democratic Party controlled the Virginia Senate. I'm sorry, no, they did not. The Democratic Party controlled the Virginia House of Delegates the Republican Party controlled the Virginia Senate, and the uh, governor's administration was Democratic. And so most of the bills that would come over, the um, the Senate may pass something, and uh, you know the, the House would end up killing that legislation or, or vice versa. So you had to figure out a way to work um, bipartisan, really on any piece of legislation, and see what the priorities were of the governor's administration. Then my second year working there, uh, the Democratic Party controlled all three uh, chambers, or at least the the Virginia Senate, the Virginia House, and the governor's administration. Mm -hmm. And it was the first time that that had happened, I think, in nearly two decades. The difficulty there um, was really focusing on what are the priorities of what you can get done. I mean, if you control three branches of power. How do you pass two decades worth of legislation in a short amount of time? Um, and now um, we're back on the flip side of where I started. The Virginia Senate is controlled by the Democrats. The House of Delegates is controlled by Republicans, and so is the governor's administration. Um, mm-hmm. So we've had to change change our priorities, but in that process, not giving up what our values are and what we're advocating for. Um, How do you adapt in order to pass legislation that best represents your district and help advances um, the causes of the people who live there, knowing that the people in power are the ones who are changing? So my next question would be, how did the COVID-19 pandemic um impact work the policy initiatives you you had in you guys were working on before and and did you see a drastic change in priorities in this what we call the new normal going forward during the COVID-19 pandemic people were very reliant on the government and how it could best serve them at a time when we never knew what was going to happen next, and people's lives were really at stake and their livelihoods. Um, my job went from maybe being about 20% casework um, to mm-hmm. about 80 or 90% casework. It was much less about um, 
the hope and opportunity of, of legislation and more about making sure that people were receiving the services that they needed, the unemployment, the, the rental assistance, um, mm-hmm. and anything there so that they could hold on to their, their livelihoods and their lives in general. Just focusing on, on how we could make sure that the government was best serving people. It, I'd say a lot of the things that we've been advocating for for quite some time had to be put on the back burner because we knew that mm-hmm. the the immediate needs of our constituents were the most important thing to work on. And, and how are persons with disabilities given consideration in your policymaking process? This is what I was thinking about earlier um, when I talked about uh, a policy that we were having a hard time um, getting past initially. Um, mm-hmm. While I was at the University of Virginia, I had originally wanted to be a math minor, and I realized very quickly that uh, that math at, uh, in you know upper levels of education. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, I dropped the math course. Um, to save my GPA, and one of the only courses available at the time was the history of the American deaf community. Um, and I, I got into that course. My um, teacher taught purely with sign language um, while someone interpreted wow. um, for the hearing audience. And that led me to take a couple of courses in uh, multicultural psychology of people with deafness and just psychology mm-hmm. of people with deafness, and even a, another subsequent um, uh, literature English course um, based on uh, people who used American Sign Language. Um, every time I say deaf, it's, it's like a capital D deaf. Um, American mm-hmm. California. Mm-hmm. California's been a much better place for this recently because Virginia has a rich history of um, – Supporting uh, people through American Sign Language, uh, one of the first schools for the um, the deaf um, that taught American Sign Language was in Virginia. Um, so, uh, how does our office deal with people with disabilities? One of the pieces of legislation that we advocated for um, focused on language development for children who are deaf or hard of hearing, and to assess um, their language acuity language acquisition at, um, you know, early stages um, in their lives before they even go into school most times. Because we have an mm-hmm. assessment for people who are hearing and, and can read English um, and be able to assess are they keeping up with their peers, but we don't have the same assessments, at least in Virginia, standardized to see is a child um, who uses American Sign Language, are they developing language at an appropriate rate, and um, we've seen uh, practices uh, of mainstreaming, which puts um, children with disabilities into a, a educational environment with their hearing peers, where sometimes um, those students are left behind, um, and they are truly intelligent individuals. They're just not receiving the attention or the resources that they need in order to succeed. Um, and we put in that legislation once, and it went nowhere. Um, we studied it for an entire year. Um, then we brought it back, and we got it all the way through the Virginia Senate, and we even got funding for it, at least in our version of the budget. But the House of Delegates decided not to advance it 
Um, we took a year off from carrying it to see if there's something that we need to do in the meantime. And with that, we handed it over to a new legislator um, uh, who was in their first term, and they were able to develop on the work from the years that we spent on it and able to ultimately come to a compromise to get the bill passed through both chambers and signed by the governor. Um, I only wish it had been signed by a, a Democratic governor when he had been in control. But uh, as I said earlier, it's, it's not about who gets credit. It's, it's about what gets done. Mm-hmm. It's just um, watching this pass, even though it wasn't our office doing it, but knowing all the work we had mm-hmm. done on it before was um, – it felt great. I got goosebumps that day. And so anytime um, anyone who benefited from that bill would come to our office, we had to um, set up a time in order to make sure that we had an interpreter present or mm-hmm. um, they would have an iPad where uh, an interpreter could could voice what they would see um, the person signing to us. But that mm-hmm. technology, um, honestly, what isn't as great as it could be? And I, I wish that the state could be doing more to make that um, those interactions more accessible for the people we intend to serve. Okay. And, and if you could create one community-based policy advocacy program, what would it be and why would you choose that? We have a delegate, Delegate Rasul, who has a program called You Write the Bill, and his goal is really at um, bringing people in so that they can understand the legislative process and see how that works and advocate for their own goals. What is one leadership quality that would that you would say is essential for success in policy, politics and community development? And why is that leadership quality so important? It, it boils down to showing up having a presence and listening to people and not just listening to the words, but, but listening to the root of what it is they have to mm-hmm. say. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it was like coming into this position, I thought so much of what we would be doing would be pushing these monumental policies that we thought were great ideas. And so much of it is really helping put to action the problems that people bring us that they're having either with an agency or with um, having legislation or the code meet an end in their life. And um, us having the understanding of the legislative system and helping them navigate through that is important, um, but it's important that we're helping them do that for themselves and um, we're not doing it for something that we think is best, that we're helping people achieve their own goals and that the root of that is consistently showing up and making sure that you're listening to the people that you're serving. And and what advice would you give to young people interested in working in politics and community representation? Don't give up. There's a lot of gatekeeping in politics and community involvement. Um, and you may show up to something and feel like you aren't heard or that um, your viewpoint isn't respected. But the more that you show up and that you demand to have a presence in the room, you'll recognize that that power shifts in your direction and you are given an opportunity to truly make change. Um, 
it's like my last answer. It's the, it's the, it's consistently showing up that finally drives mm-hmm. results and not giving up. It's the persistence that's important there. Um, and I've seen that from the people who are in power have, a lot of them have been here for a long time. Um, but the people who are coming to, um, ultimately replace them are showing up in their community um, to deliver change for people. Do you have a favorite quote or mantra that kind of guides you? Um, I do. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a quote from, from Harry Truman uh, when uh, he was president that says, uh, it is amazing what you can accomplish if you do not care who gets the credit. In politics, you know, there you can tell when it's important to give credit where credit is due. Um, mm-hmm. Some politicians focus more on credit than they do about what they're getting done, but it, it's about the solutions and the the product that um, we deliver for the people we want to serve. Um, because ultimately, um, the people in power will all be replaced at some point. But the hope is that what they achieve won't. Okay. Well, that's all I have for you today. <laughs> I, I, again, I appreciate the time you took to speak with us. Right. Thank right. you. Thanks for listening. And remember, you can talk about making a difference, you can take action to make a difference, or you can join DVE in doing both. Until next time, stay blessed and be inspired. DVE Man.